Welcome back to Life in Death and Dirt. I'm Rosie. I'm a nurse and I'm super depressed. And this is DJ and he is, what are you, DJ? Uh, good. Great. It's nice to see you. Yeah. I miss you. Yeah, I haven't seen you yeah. for a while. How was your holiday? It was fine. It was fine? Yeah, it was fine. We had some, um, my in-laws over, uh, which is nice. I actually like them a lot. So that was nice to have them over. And then uh, we did our annual poker tournament, which I won again. And so that made me feel good for a second. How's the dancing going? And uh, the dancing is going um, pretty good. It's picking up. I've gotten booked in several different performances and that always feels good and gives me something to focus on and distract myself with. So I have two performances coming up for Christmas. One is in like a couple days and then the other one is next week. So that'll be fun. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> it's been right. going good. You know what I was thinking about? Actually, speaking of dancing, I'm going to throw this out there to anybody listening or DJ, if you know anyone. So I have a very, very offensive 1312 burlesque act to Killing in the Name by Rage. And I need somewhere to perform it. Um, but it can't just be performed anywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's very ACAB. Like my face will definitely be on a registry afterwards. But still my tits and ass, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so let me know if you can think of anywhere, like a rally or a protest or a fundraiser that your girl Rosie could perform a very ACAB burlesque performance. I'm on Instagram, send me a DM. That's all I got. What you got, DJ? Uh, nothing. I need to fix my... Oh, I need to fix my... I think I got some... Uh, I got some craziness going on with this. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift it up. Mm -hmm. It just helps. I can see you and hear you just fine. How are we to you? Break it up a little bit. So, like, I, I got some tits and ass and A-cab in there. That's what you need. That's all I'm ever looking for. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's beautiful there. It's nice and sunny. It's dark here. We've had snow flurries. It gets dark at like 2 p.m. Ugh. Your sun looks nice. Two? Yeah. Yeah. But we live in like a little holler kind of, like a New York style holler. And so our sun goes down really early because we're in the shadow of this hill that's right behind us. Oh. Yeah. But it's also very gray and overcast today. Yeah, it's been pretty cold around here. You're getting 19 at night. And uh, yeah, this is the, the, the part of the year that uh, we learned from last year. And it's already started out where it's a constant. We're constantly juggling. If it's not this, it's that. We put this to that, fix that. Now that we got to do this, now that. We got to have. We gotta have a light on at that pump house. Uh, oh, chicken. Um, we gotta have lights on at the pump house. Gotta have a, got a timer for heat lamps underneath, but you can't, you know, it's that's kind of dangerous. So, you know, there's just stuff we gotta, so it's like, it's, it's, it's constantly trying to uh, just make it work, juggle, 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 juggle. So you have to have lights on at the pump house so that the pumps don't freeze. Is that why? Yeah. And what happens if they do? Uh, we have a heat lamp out there that, you know, just keeps it from really just from freezing. And then we have heat lamps uh, in the, uh, the my next goal, uh, the uh, heat lamps underneath the, uh, the camper to where the, the bathroom is, to the tank for where you poop in. Uh -huh. That doesn't freeze. And then we have another heat lamp. It's just other places and having to insulate stuff. It's just crazy. Is your uh, camper, like, do you have to empty out the toilet tank? 
or does it go to a septic system? It goes to a septic. It goes to a septic tank, but it's uh, you got to learn how to you got to learn how to work it. There's a way to work it, and there's a way, the way not to. And uh, okay, but yes, yes, we do. It goes to a septic tank. All right. Well, I guess that's good. I mean, as long as you know how to work it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, 19. That's cold. That's colder than we've been here. We are we are cold though. Our garden is done. Like it is going night night for the season. Um we've thrown down a bunch of compost, uh, a bunch of hay and straw on top of that. We just let it sit all winter long. Have you seen your hardiness chart? Has it changed much? Our hardiness chart? Yeah, you know how the I guess that's what they call it. The back of, you know, it says the Whenever, whenever you're so because the climate changed and everything now, well, on the back of your seeds and stuff, where it has you know where your zone is and where you're zoned, yeah, they've all changed. Oh, I don't think ours has changed. Yeah, we are like a what are we? Five. Yeah. Five B, something like that. Um. Yeah, no, we're still in. We're still the same. How about you? Uh, yeah, yeah. You changed. Is that why you brought that up? Yeah, no, I haven't seen exactly how much, and I'm trying to figure out exactly what it means. But uh, it's definitely a thing. Definitely a thing. It is. I'm trying so hard not to spiral this episode. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm already like staring climate change right in the face right now uh, after talking about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens this next year for us. Usually, like historically, upstate New York is gets tons of snow and it stays all winter long and then melts in the spring. Um, and then we do a big like maple syrup uh, season. But last year or this year, we got this crazy late frost that came through. Like everything just started to grow. And then this late frost came through and fucking killed everything. Like all the buds, all the little uh, seedlings. So that was that was pretty rough for a lot of people around here. Um, we will see. I don't know. Everyone's saying that the woolly bears and the bees, the way that they're acting this year means we're going to have a really, really rough winter. Whatever that means. Like super cold, I guess. That's what the farmer's almanac is saying <clears throat> and all the people who like read nature's signs and cues and things like that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll make it through. Um, I've been thinking, I want to talk about something. Yeah. Like a very specific topic. Um, I can hear you kind of okay, DJ, but I don't know how the recording is going to be. You, you sound a little bit far away. Yeah, I'm pretty far yeah. away. Okay. And you're not going to, you're good. Okay. So um, the last, you know, month and a half has been devastating for, in many ways, to many different people. And I was thinking about how uh, I am not a woo-woo type of a person. Uh, like, I'm not really into spirituality, I guess, or um, like, I don't know what the right term is, but woo-woo is, is what I can think of. So I'm not a woo-woo person, but I wish that I were because it seems like it would make existence a little more, more tolerable, to be frank. Um, but then when I was thinking about that, I thought of some interesting phenomenon that I have seen happen over and over and over again in taking care of people at the end of life and like during their dying process that are unexplained phenomenon. And I've seen them happen enough that I can say it's not a coincidence. So I thought that might be kind of interesting to talk about. Um, yeah these like end of life phenomenon that I don't think we really have. We being like the medical or scientific community don't necessarily have uh, an explanation for why these things happen. And I have seen them happen many, many, many times. So uh, what do you think about that? Should I talk about end of life phenomenon? Mm. Sure. Okay. So, uh, and I bet a lot of people out there, if they've taken care of a loved one or they've been like, adjacent to somebody during the end of life process, they, I bet they've experienced at least one of these things, if not many of them. Um, so 
I remember being at this conference, uh, this like hospice and palliative conference a couple years ago with a couple of my work colleagues. And one of them was also a nurse. So she had actually taken care of people at the bedside, direct care uh, during the end of life process. And then my other colleague was in the administrative side of things. And the speaker got up during the conference and was telling this beautiful story about when her mom died and her mom, uh, you know, had had like nine children and everybody thought the mom was going to die any second now. Uh, but there was one last child who was flying in from, you know, the West Coast or something like that. And um, how the hospice nurse said, ah, okay, yep, she's waiting for that child. And then that child came to visit and then the mom died the next morning. And so there was a beautiful, nice story. And I look over at my colleague, the administrative colleague, and she's weeping. I mean, she's just like overcome and overwhelmed um at this beautiful story and then I look over at my nurse friend and we're both just like yeah uh-huh yeah that happens all the time and I realized like oh we're so used to seeing this that we forget that this is like an interesting or you know unique uh thing to hear about to people who maybe don't see it all the time so that opened up my eyes that like oh yeah I'm so used to seeing that that I forget that it's actually kind of a really cool thing that does happen that I can talk about so let's talk about it um, people who are going through the dying process, and this is for people who are like kind of slowly dying over time, not people who just like have a huge heart attack or a huge stroke and, you know, die right then and there. So people going through the dying process, um, sometimes can be in a state that seems like they are unresponsive, meaning that they're clearly still alive, like their heart is beating, they're breathing, but they're not necessarily responding to any kind of outside stimuli. So if we talk to them, maybe they don't move or they don't talk back or they don't blink their eyes. Um, that's what we call unresponsive. So there's many times when we have people who are in a state, uh, in this unresponsive state, which is actually very normal. It's a very normal and expected part of the dying process that people would eventually get to this unresponsive state before taking their final breath. And, um, Sometimes there's people who you kind of are like, they're going to die any minute. Like they are, they're so close to death, but they just keep hanging around. They're still here and they're still alive. And uh, it's very, it's happened many times that it's clear that they're waiting for that one last visitor. Like their other child to get into, into town, like in the story that I just mentioned, um, or uh, they're waiting to see like, their spouse or somebody there, there's some visitor that that person is like holding on for, even though the dying person is unresponsive. So that is common. Um, and, uh, kind of interesting because it's like, okay, clearly this person who's unresponsive and seems like they're unaware of their surroundings. Clearly they have some sense of awareness to know who has visited and when. Um, and I, I wonder if there's people listening who've had that experience before. I wonder, that's so weird. That's, 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 that's so weird to me because if, if it's a conscious decision, that implies that it's a conscious decision to let go or a, a subconscious decision to get, either way is baffling honestly yeah i think that people do um like we have a little bit of control over the time that we die if we are going through this dying process where it's kind of taking place over time uh i mean sometimes people your body does just give out and you die but there is clearly among some people at least some amount of control that people can have exactly like what you just said in letting go or waiting to let go and like kind of rallying whatever energy they have to to stay here on earth uh because they're waiting for some for some visitor or they're waiting for something to happen so yeah there is definitely a um letting go and people who do let go or who try not to let go that is a factor i mean sometimes again though our body just gives out and we don't have control over that but I've seen it enough times to know that there's there's got to be some amount of control, limited control uh, there. 
in when somebody chooses to let go or not. Fascinating. <laughs> Horrifying, fascinating. Okay. Um, so that's one of the interesting phenomenon that I don't think we can explain other than what we just said, like some people choose to let go versus not. Um, okay, this is a really interesting one. And I know people have experienced this. So, and I've seen this happen so many times. You can have a loved one who's unresponsive. They're going to die, quote unquote, any minute. You know, like everyone's like, okay, this person is actively dying. They're in their final moments of life. And you're sitting there with your loved one or this person for hours and all night long and all day. And you're sitting vigil at that person's bedside. And you finally decide to go take a shower or you finally have to go take a phone call or you finally have to go to the store. And that is when your loved one will die. They will wait for you to leave the room. I've seen this so many times um, that it's, it's not a coincidence. They'll wait for you to take the dog for a walk or, or like go answer the door if someone else is coming to visit um, for, for them to take their final breath. And there's so many uh, grieving people who've had that experience with a loved one who's died where they were like, oh my gosh, I finally went to the pharmacy to pick up a prescription. And that's when my mom died. And, that, and they're like riddled with guilt. And I want to tell them like, no, your mom did that on purpose. Like I'm telling you, you cannot feel guilty if you finally stepped out. And that's when your loved one took their final breath because they did that on purpose. I see that all the time. That's really interesting to me. Yeah, again, it, it definitely, that, it, it definitely, uh, that is a, uh, it, it insinuates that we have the will, like willpower, willpower and a conscious decision when to execute that willpower. It sure seems like that, yeah. It does. It seems like that. Or I wonder, like, is it actually a conscious decision or is it just that, like, on some level we are connected by energy and we don't realize it. And then that person steps away and we finally let go of the energy of trying to stay alive. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I've seen it so many times. It is not a coincidence that you will sit at vigil at your loved one's bedside for hours and finally decide to go get yourself a cup of coffee and they'll they'll die when you're out of the room. So it's clear that, yeah, there's something. Something, I don't know. And I don't know if that makes me feel better or not about like when it comes my turn to die. I'm not sure. What do you think, DJ? Uh, again, I, I, I think the phenomenon of... Uh... Of, of that phenomenon specifically, choosing when to die is uh, it's beautiful uh, in a sense, but it's also really scary. Uh, I I I I would like to think that it's a conscious decision, but it doesn't seem like it would be. I think it does have, but then again, if you're waiting, you're holding on to death. Or your loved one to come. What what part of you is what what part is that? What part is that? We don't know. And it depends on who you ask, what they believe in, what they're gonna tell you the answer is to that. I don't have an answer because I don't believe in a whole lot. <laughs> but maybe I should. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody who's listening to this <clears throat> has heard my story about uh, my patient, Sheila, who I, I told the story, I think it was on gravy. No, into the biscuit. Um, I told the story about a patient that I had <clears throat> who seemed like she was unresponsive. And before she had gotten into this unresponsive state, um, she'd been very frank and we'd had really open, honest conversations about how she felt about dying. She was not afraid to die. She was ready to die. She was kind of very matter of fact about it. And, um, you know, there was a point in time when I visited her and said, uh, do you want me to tell you what I think is happening? This is when she was still a little more lucid. She said, yes. And I said, I think you're getting really close to the end of your life. Like I, you know, 
most people, when they have A, B, and C symptoms, which you're experiencing right now, um, only live for a few more days. And she said, okay, good. Like she was ready and she wanted to shed this mortal body. Um, and so I visited her. It was just hours. It turned out it was just hours before she actually did die. Um, and she was in this unresponsive state or what I thought was this unresponsive state, but I still uh, was talking to her, which is what we're always uh, directed to do. You, you should always talk to people, even if they're unresponsive or they seem unconscious, like act as though they can still hear you. So um, I was saying something to her and I was like, okay, I'm just going to turn you on your side or something, something that I said. And she barely nodded her head at me. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just tired or whatever. But then I asked her a second question and she shook her head. No. And then I asked her a third question and she nodded her head. Yes. And she seemed like she was like comatose, like eyes rolled back in her head, but she was clearly hearing me and understanding what I was asking and then able to, to answer. And then she died like just a few hours later. So that told me like, okay, well, yeah, at least in her case, she very much was aware, at least on some level of like who was with her and what they were saying and what they were doing. Um, but also at the same time, she was very comfortable. And that's one of the questions I asked her. I, I was like, are you having any pain? And that's the one that she shook her head no to. And I said, are you comfortable? And she nodded yes. So that was like, okay, well, she seems like she's okay in this state, you know, like nothing is distressing her. Um, so maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's the case for way more people than we realize. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's interesting to think about people in comas. Like, uh, I watched a documentary about people who were who are who are in comas and either in comas and or coming out of the coma. And it's super sad. It's super sad because you know they're showing some patients whose family had had sworn that they had seen these signs of coming back to awareness, and the doctors were just like, "This isn't." They're not. I don't know what you're seeing, but you're just you're holding on to something that's. And then there were other patients who were coming back and, for all intents, like could not. There was one specifically that couldn't understand what you were talking about so much, but like if you wrote it down and showed them, they could read it and they could tell you. What was going on? I had no idea. I had no idea what was what was going on through speech. Like there's like somebody through speaking to them, they 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 couldn't comprehend it, but you writing them, mm -hmm. they and it's just the brain is such a fucking it's such a crazy it's just such a wild organ <laughs> full of magic. Um and I wonder, you know, during that process, uh, that dying process, you know, exactly what what part of, of that, of course, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. How would you know? They can't figure out. We don't even, we don't know how brains work. We have no idea how brains work. You know what I mean? So weird that you just fucking catapulted into fucking consciousness. And that, you know, a couple of dings on the fucking noggin can fucking send you into some fucking wild space. But that's uh that's interesting. Yeah, it's also funny hearing you say that about uh you know, this happens all the time because I remember my stepfather died and a tear came out of his eye. And we went woo-woo as hell about it. Oh my god. He left it, and then, and then, and then the lady was just like, "Now that happens all the time," and we were like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, sorry." <laughs> we thought we had magic. Yeah. Well, if you felt like you had magic, then you did. You know, whatever, it, whatever it was that was special about that to your family and to that process, just because it's not uncommon doesn't mean that it wasn't, you know. 
something special for your family. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was fine, I guess. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. This phenomenon happens happens to everyone. Like the death rattle. You know what I'm saying? I the death rattle, yeah, that's something that I could certainly talk about. I don't know if I should uh hear now. I have a couple other like No, go ahead, go ahead. Hit, phenomenon. Hit, hit. Okay. The death rattle I think maybe could use its own. We'll yeah. see. Okay, so another uh, interesting phenomenon that's unexplained if you're like me and you don't really subscribe to any particular spiritual belief system, but very explained to people who believe in a higher power and an afterlife is visioning, something we call visioning. And um, this is where a person who is close to death will start to see visions of their past loved ones who've already died. So it, that's this, the specific thing about it is that they tend to see people who have died at some other point in previously including beloved pets they will see their beloved sometimes their beloved pet from their childhood who died years and years ago um and that is kind of like when you're a hospice nurse when you visit with the family and they say yeah, i don't know last night he was in there and he was just like talking or dreaming or something and he he said oh hey mac and i'm like oh well who's mac and they go well, Mac was his best friend from high school and he died several years ago, blah, blah, blah. And that's when you're like, oh, okay. Like you start typing in your chart, you know, like patient just seeing visions of, of past loved ones because it is an indicator uh, for a lot of people that they're getting very close to the end of their life. And it specifically is dead loved ones that they will see. I don't know. Madness. And that happens a lot. That happened with my... Uh... Dude, that happened with my grandfather's. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, but but everyone says that he jumped up from the he jumped up from the uh, what you call it and was like, "Hey, come here, lady!" And I, uh, you know, and, uh, that's so and the weird. lady was was somebody that he knew from previously in his life. Yeah, that's so bizarre. That's that's uh, that's so bizarre. Yeah, it is. It is, and I don't. I can't explain it. I don't know if it's like, oh, we all just kind of have heard that that's what's going to happen, and so our brain makes that happen for us when it comes time, or are we actually? Uh, is it a real thing? Like, is it your? And it's always somebody who died. It's never somebody who's alive. Right. It's so weird. Right. Or that's when we pay attention, at least as hospice providers, we pay attention when the family tells us, oh, well, last night grandma said she saw her dog Sparky and her dog Sparky was when she was a teenager. That's when we start going, oh, okay, what else is going on? Like we, we make note of that because that usually indicates that a person is getting quite close to the end of their life. Um, and there's a one of our spiritual care coordinators, aka a chaplain, but nowadays we call them spiritual care coordinators. She had a story, and I believe her. She's she's pretty legit lady. Um, she told the story that there was a patient who was dying, or she knows of a patient who was dying, and the patient was clearly visioning. So there were uh, real flesh and blood alive people in the room with this patient, and they said that the patient was saying, "Oh, Gerald." Oh, so-and-so. And she was like naming off people who had died. So clearly she was seeing visions of her deceased loved ones. And then they said that the patient kind of shocked, exclaimed, Janine. But Janine wasn't a dead person. Janine was alive. But actually Janine was dead. They found out that Janine had died while like everybody was there visiting this patient. And so it was like, this patient had seen Janine and was kind of surprised, like, what are you doing here in this end of life vision? Because they all hadn't realized that Janine had actually just died and this patient was seeing Janine. That's and crazy. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I know. I don't know. And I, I, I don't know what to think. Yeah, so I don't are know. we all now thinking of somebody that we hope we see? I am. You thinking of somebody you hope you see on the other side? Yeah, couple people. That's cool, man. I mean, that's comforting. I'm sure that's comforting. Have all your homies there. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna say it's it's a uh, it's impossible. It's it's it's. I mean, for you to either gather a hallucination or, or the the energy of uh, the energy of uh, other people's consciousness rolling through the astral plane and seeing your last sparks ignite as you trail off into the twilight of time and space. I'm not going to say it's impossible. Uh, I'm going to say it's creepy. <laughs> Anytime ghosts are involved. I don't, I'm not interested in seeing any ghosts at the end of the life. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, yeah, I heard this one story from this lady. We were living in this uh, apartment building and uh, it was section eight apartment. So like there was always like fucking older people living there and coming out and they dying. So like there were a couple of hostages that actually knew from this place anyway. So she was telling us one day that the lady who was passing away in this apartment was like, had both her arms up, was just like, it's an angel of God. She's the angel has come to get me. And like, was hollering for the angel to come. Like that's, that's gotta, that's something, right? That's, that's not a dead person that you know. That's, that's a, that's a figment of your, I don't want to say imagination. I mean, all that stuff's got to come from somewhere, right? It's got to so. somehow. Yeah. I mean, that is a, yeah. So some people see uh, what they what they interpret as like angelic beings. And it's also not necessarily uncommon for people to be kind of reaching up or out, even if they can't necessarily verbalize what it is that they're seeing. We do see that happen. Like people kind of are reaching up and usually they seem happy, you know, that it's not like anything distressing, but they're just kind of like clearly interacting with something that they are seeing. Um, what it is that they're seeing, I'm not sure. And like you said, is it just a hallucination? Because people do hallucinate at the end of life. You know, your your electrolytes in your brain chemistry is all fucked up at the end of life. So yeah, you do see hallucinations sometimes. Um, so I don't know if it's just like a product of, yeah brain chemicals that's causing them to see these beings or people or if it actually is something that we just don't understand quite yet i'm not sure but yeah the reaching up and the reaching out like that not uncommon huh huh that's uh it's water and hell yeah uh so that's another so those what did we talk about we talked about uh and, and a seemingly unconscious, seemingly unresponsive person waiting for a particular visitor before they let go. We've talked about um, a dying person who waits for their visitors to leave the room before they take their last breath uh, and visioning. And then the, the last thing that's kind of interesting is something that we call a death rally or um, death surge, or sometimes I call it the swan song. And this is where we'll see people, this is really common, we see people who are um, clearly going through the process of dying. They're usually really, really weak, spending a lot of time in bed, um, kind of like disengaged from life. And then suddenly they'll have a day where they're like, up, oh, they're at them, they're eating, they're talking, they want to eat ice cream, they're celebrating with their family. Like out of nowhere, they have all this energy and it kind of shocks everybody. Um, but then usually after that surge, they have a very, they, they die very shortly after that. So it's kind of like this rally of their energy to be present in one final time. That's very common. We see that frequently in people as well. Um, I don't have an explanation for it. I just uh, assure loved ones like, oh yeah, we see that. We do see that. I'm glad you have that. Right. Enjoy it. I mean, yeah. it's Yep. I took care of a patient who, um, I think it was over the weekend. I can't remember, but I, I was listening to, to one of the on-call nurses was leaving a report 
I think it must have been over the weekend and I was checking in with him on a Monday and uh, the on-call nurse had said, oh yeah, well, so-and-so's family called um, or I called to check in on them and they said that he had had a great day. Like he got up, he smoked a cigarette, like all these different things. And even the on-call nurse said, this might be his rally. And I was like, I think it was because the person I visited on Friday did not have the energy to get up and smoke a cigarette. I mean, this guy was barely, barely conscious. And so, yeah, sure enough, he got his last cigarette in and then he let go, you know, like um, really interesting. So we call that the death rally or the death surge or swan song. Yeah. Huh. I don't know how to explain it. Like, I don't know where people get that energy to do that when you when you see that they've been so exhausted, like both physically and mentally and spiritually, that then they have enough energy to get up out of bed and go sit on the porch with their grandkids and eat ice cream and like out of nowhere. Interesting. Yeah. Where does that come from? I don't know. That's why I included it in the phenomenon episode. <laughs> so weird. I mean, there's the, the, The human, just the body, the human body, just everything about it is so miraculous. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it, it, and it is almost like one of those things, just like, uh, just like, uh, you know, when the person, told me about, you know, oh, that happens all the time. It's almost like one of those things where it's like, you know, don't, don't kill the mystery, you know? Like, it would be interesting to learn about why that happens, but then at the same time, uh, is it just having one more day where, you're, where your family is up and at them? Isn't that, isn't that all you need to know? That I had another, I had another few hours with my, with my loved one, and that's, that's that's what that was. And I thought, you know, yeah. But uh, you, know, you get into these situations where you think, I was like, well, as soon as we figure out what does that, you know, they'll start putting it in a bottle and selling it to us for a billion dollars. So, yeah. So we, yeah. I mean, somebody would, somebody would try to do that, but yeah, yeah. There's something about rich people and wanting to live forever that's the weirdest. The weirdest. I get thing. it? I don't get it. Yep. The blood boys, you know, the, the you have, you know about the blood, the the rich people's blood boys. I feel like I heard you talk about this with Drew. Yeah, yeah I feel like you talked about it. And I, I think, I mean, I'm like, since puberty, basically, I've been like, ah, eh, this isn't that great, you know, like life in general, like existence. And um, even though like my personal life is fine, but just in general, I'm like, yeah, okay. And I don't understand people who are just like wanting to live forever and have a ton of fucking kids. Like Elon Musk won't stop having fucking kids. And I'm like, why? Like what? You don't even hang out with them. You know, like they don't even like you. So what is it? It's just like this drive to live on forever. Why? I don't know. I don't get it. Or people who are into like um, reincarnation. That better not be fucking real. I'll be pissed. Like, and the only people I ever hear who are like, oh no, I hope it's real are cis, straight, white men. Those are the people who want reincarnation to be a real thing because they think they're going to come back like, in the same privilege. And I'm like, it's more likely that you're going to come back as somebody from Asia. Most of the humans that have ever lived on earth are from Asia. Okay. So how do you feel about it now? Like, do you still think, Oh yeah, that sounds great. I, I'm no once is enough. Once is almost too much to be honest. <laughs> like, I don't know. But again, I've been depressed since puberty. So that I'm got my, definitely my, my <laughs> take on it, but I'm just like, I, I don't know. I guess people are more excited and find more joy in things and feel like it would be cool to be around 
or sorry, that yeah. was my tangent. You <laughs> kind of got a little triggered there. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's it's hilarious because I I a hundred percent believe in reincarnation. No, oh, you do. Shocker! Wow. Okay. Yeah, a hundred percent. I hope you are I, wrong. Oh my god. My understanding of it might be a little bit more nuanced than uh, than your average dready trustafarian. Yeah, I yeah. I hope you're wrong. I do. I hope it's not real. Why? Well, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't practice any religion other than like the religion of trying to evolve as a human being, you know? That is my religion, is trying to, uh, trying to, grow as much as I can in that be, become uh, more aware of of my nature as a, as a as a living being as an organism as an organism but also as consciousness and I feel like consciousness is an energy and that God, uh, is like uh, you know it's like when you're dreaming and there's all these people in your dream and they're doing all these things right that you don't have any control over you don't have any control over but they're in your dream they're in there you know uh, this space this this space where they exist at that is God. That is the great consciousness. And in reincarnation, what happens is we return to the dream, the, the dream state, to the magnificent play that is going on about us, this, this song and dance, in order to get back to the dreamer and reach a full level of uh, and then and in awareness there is uh, there is nothing <laughs> there is nothing there is a blank slate so oh, I can't handle this <laughs> oh my god that's just how what? I, and then what? You are one with the dream. You are you are one with the dream. You are one with the the, the ebb and the flow of the universe. You are the tree. You are the leaf. You are the grass. You are the weather. You are time. You are space. You are nothing. You are everything. It's a lot. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't. Yeah, no. Reject it. It's cool. Uh, I don't expect anyone. Oh, I have rejected it, DJ. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know. I've heard, you know, uh, in the same vein, uh, there is the theory that, you know, holds a lot of weight that when we talk about like, oh, why are we here? What are we, how do we start, blah, blah, blah. And there's a theory that, uh, oh, well, we are the universe trying to become sentient. And like the universe is trying to become conscious through us. And I have a lot of issue with that because the universe can figure it the fuck out yourself, universe. Like I, I don't, I didn't consent to this. I don't want to to do this, you know, like it's not like become conscious in your own, a different way. I don't want to do it like that. 
that pisses me off because it's kind of like, oh, well, the universe is not, it's neither good nor bad. It's neutral. It just is blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. That is a bullshit take to me. And although it's probably true, it pisses me off. Like I want the universe to take a stand and <laughs> just like, not, a, not any of this, like, oh, I'm not good or I'm a centrist, blah, blah. No, like take a stand, figure out who you are on your own. Like this is not. Well, I mean, there is no good or bad. I, good and bad don't don't exist, you know. I think they yeah. do. I think they do. I think that it is bad to hurt another person on purpose. You could say that, like, like, love scientifically would be attraction, a pulling force, and hate would be repulsion, something that divides or pushes away. In these terms. We can understand good and bad, but like, and there are certainly, but like, it's again, such an argument to like be had that like, well, stealing is bad, right? Is it like, no, is it's it really not? I mean, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I, if you're stealing from a person who is hungry, yes, you could consider that very very bad and if I, and, and and hurting this this individual yes hurting a person uh is bad in, in that sense it's like i i uh forcing your will on another individual uh, is bad you know i guess but in the ter in the terms that we try to understand it it's like there is, uh, I don't know, situational ethics, situational morality. Yes, it's bad to steal from a starving person, but if you're starving and you steal from someone who has an abundance and will not help you, I mean, that's just as bad. Jeff, Jeff Bezos is bad. You know what I'm saying? His refusal to help uh in, in any meaningful way is bad and, and could be called evil you know but i i just i just i don't think we have the words i don't think we have the words in the i mean look man karma let's talk about karma right they're equally equally both good karma and bad karma, according to like uh, the, the Gita and things like this, they're both like to be, both types of karma are to be uh, uh, rejected because regardless if you have good karma or bad karma, karma is the chain which holds you to this existence and this repetitive reincarnation. Reincarnation is not a good thing. You know, Nirvana, the complete oblivion is a good thing. It, you know, uh, oblivion is great. Uh, uh, the, uh, being in the vast nothingness of consciousness is great. That's another thing. To say that the universe uh, is trying to wake up is a wild fucking take to me because like everywhere I look dude I woke up this morning and fucking to go feed and like the and the moon was so fucking huge and I could see Mars and the owls were fucking alive and the fucking and I could smell all the fucking smells and like oh it was alive That's, this thing is going this thing is conscious this thing is fucking this thing is, is much more aware than we are as 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 human beings, much more aware, much more alive, much more in tune, much more conscious. So we don't need to be here, huh? Oh, what I'm hearing is we do not need to be here, humans. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, sure. I mean, sure, we help. I mean, we help. You know the old adage about uh, the, the the you hear about the the, the, the mushrooms and and and, and lives. So, you know, we give it back to the earth and the earth. Then we come. You know, it's a cycle. We're part of the cycle. 
breathing. You know what I'm saying? We're creating, you know, different carbon dioxide and then, you know, we're doing a lot of great things that we can help the earth in a lot of ways. We're not necessarily doing it. You know what I'm saying? With all of our, our conquest for material. Plastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The tactics of our, yeah, 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 yeah. We're not necessarily uh, practicing great, uh, but we, we should. We should, and we'd benefit from it so much more. If we worked in, if we worked in, in more symbiosis with the, uh, with what life is giving us and what life is telling us, what life is telling us. And life tells me personally that reincarnation is a part of the great consciousness. The ebb and flow, the fall and the rise, summer and the fall and the season. And that's just me. But I'm very, very much neutral on the matter to you. I do oh, definitely you're neutral. You are oh. okay. I have, I have a hard time with neutrality. I think I'm neutral on the matter of uh, of concern for um, the practice. I suppose. I mean, living is a practice. Like how we live, how you live your life is is a way to pray. I don't know. I'm getting real woo-woo right here. Have you ever seen a ghost? No. I haven't either. And don't you think, okay, this, this when you said woo-woo and talking about like reincarnation and back to talking about visions and hallucinations, I have never seen a ghost and I work in a place that arguably should be the most haunted fucking place I could ever possibly be. And I have been there at night, alone, in the dark. Like, I was working overnights during COVID like crazy. Nothing supernatural, ever. Okay, but should it be, though? Should it be the most haunted place? I mean, who the fuck wants to be in a hospital? Is it where you die that you haunt? or is I'm it not like in a hospital. No, I'm not in a hospital. But I mean, I'm in an area, I, I worked in a, like a hospice house a lot during COVID where people die there. Um, huh. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, I don't know. I've never, ever seen a ghost that I'm aware of in my entire life, including working literally adjacent to death and dying, you know. And some people, I'm like, well, is it just because I don't recognize it? You know, have I actually seen supernatural things, but I'm so closed off to that being a reality that I, that my brain doesn't even pick up on it? Or do the ghosts know it wouldn't be worth their time to expose themselves to me? Like, I don't I don't know. But it just this is where I say, like, I'm not a woo woo person. And. Yeah, I don't know, man. I always feel like if I saw. A ghost, of course, I'd get freaked out. I mean, I think anybody would if they saw it first. But, like, then my curiosity would probably lead me into being like, okay, why is this thing here? How can I help it? Or, like, what does it want? I would definitely get curious. Like, it would take a while to run me off. You know what I mean? But but that might be the thing because, like, I, I don't, from what I understand of ghosts, is that it's a it's like like most things, it's an energy thing. It's an energy thing. You know, they feed off the negative energy. They feed off, uh, you know, whatever type of, you know, you just got to be that that type of some bitch to to attract that. Well, I have plenty of negative energy, that's for sure. But I mean, well, I think it costs, <laughs> or maybe I'm thinking about demons. I'm not saying that you have to be a negative person to be that, but like. But like they cause negative. Now, now I have seen, I have seen uh, a, uh, a uh, what do they call them? Like a shadow demon? Uh, no. I, mean, I, don't I don't know what they call them. You've seen a shadow demon? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. that sounds sure. scary. I forgot what they called them. Uh, you know, like, uh, like, a, like a, yeah, I saw a dark. A dark form. I was I was in 
in between sleep and awake. And uh, all of a sudden, this. Uh, oh, star... a sleep paralysis demon? Yeah, you know, sleep. Paralysis. Oh, okay. Shadow buddy. Yeah. Yeah. See one of them things. Jump right on top of me. And I was going through a real bad time, so I probably had a lot of. It might have been. It might have been one of them negative energy sucking motherfuckers. You know. But then I don't know. It could have just. I mean, who knows? Who fucking knows? It's, it's interesting a, that like um people who have had that experience of like sleep paralysis and seeing a sleep paralysis entity that they, a lot of people have very similar experiences where it feels like it's sitting on their chest. And like, I just wonder, is there a physiological reason for that? Like, did, did you like stop breathing while you were sleeping? And so you do feel the kind of crushing chest pain and it's because of something like cardiac or respiratory related, or is it truly all in your brain? Or is there a realm of sleep demons that runs around and jumps on people's chests? I don't know. I doubt it, but. I mean, no idea. Skeptic. Are you talking to your loved ones when you're dying? Are they really there? You know what I mean? Like the brain is wild. The brain is just so fucking wild. Yeah, it is. Have you ever had a, somebody like a, like see a negative thing or is it always positive? Have you ever heard of people getting freaked out right before they die? I haven't. Um, I mean, I'm sure it could happen, but uh, not that I can remember. Um, like anybody seeing anything that was like really scary or, or distressing to them. No, I mean, sometimes people seem to get kind of annoyed or they feel... Uh, pressure like they feel responsible for the visions that they see and what I mean by that is there was a patient who um, uh, one of my colleagues had taken care of and he had grown up working in the hospitality industry like I don't know if he was a concierge or something like that and so his visions at end of life were like a bunch of people waiting for him to wait on them and ah, was, he was like oh all these people I can't help you and so that was stressful to him but what my colleague did which is kind of, I don't know, it worked. But she walked in and he had said, all of these people are just standing there staring at me. And she was like cued in that he was having hallucinations or visions. And so she looked around the room that was empty and she was like, oh, if you'll all follow me, I've got coffee and donuts in the other room. And then she walked out and that worked like that. Apparently these visions followed her out according to him. Um, and, and that worked. So that was kind of interesting that he had this, these visions where he felt like, responsible to take care of these people and that was stressing him out uh, but i don't know of anybody who's had like a truly scary vision yeah and if they did okay so here comes skeptic rosie again if somebody does see something that's distressing or troublesome or scary we give them antipsychotic medication and then those hallucinations go away. So, so they are hallucinatory. They're absolutely hallucinations. It seems like it wouldn't matter how many antipsychotics you gave a person if they were seeing a fucking ghost, right? The fucking ghost. Unless you could just shut off that fucking part of your brain and then not be able to see it, which might be a reason why we've never seen ghosts and some people have. They have that part of their brain open that's just a chemical fucking... Mm -hmm. Look, man, I believe, do you believe, I, I, dude, I believe a lot of woo-woo shit, obvious, obvious, right? You know what I mean? Like, I believe people are psychic. I believe people have psychic. I, I have 100% been in a situation where I was like, nope, or this is bad, or this doesn't feel good, or like, also been in, a, and for no telltale signs that I could immediately, like, yeah. Tell you like, yeah, yeah, but felt tension, you know, you you feel in a, you go in a room after somebody's been arguing, it's like, oh what? You know? And not even, you know, maybe it's body language that you're picking up, but like uh yeah, you know, I've been there. So energy, man, fucking whatever this is, whatever this is, whatever a person's 
Yeah, I mean, I see, listen, I, 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 I just, I feel like we have that, whatever you want to call that energy, a spirit, a soul, a life force, whatever that thing is, right? That thing connects you with all other living organisms, right? And if that thing connects you with all other things, if you have that thing, that soul, if you are a soul, if you are a spirit, then that is essentially what you are, essentially that, like this body, this thing, you know what I'm saying? Whatever this is, you know, this, none of this, the matter, you know what I'm saying, is, is secondary. You are that force. And if you are that force and everything, well, then that's God. That's the dreamer. That's the big dream. Rosie. Nah. But yeah, that's all you can say. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not happy about it either way. I mean, that's that's where what I'm struggling with. I, that's that's I feel like that's a totally rational and acceptable response to be like, well, this fucking is dumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, like, get a better dream. Come on. Yeah. Um, and isn't that? Hmm? Isn't that what we're trying to do? A better dream. Dream bigger, dream better. Yes, yes, we are. And I do feel like that is happening. Like there is a definitely a shift in, what do you call it? Like collective consciousness is shifting. It is waking up. Um, I should feel hopeful about that. Maybe someday I will. Um, but it's definitely yeah. happening. And like people are realizing like, oh no, it's time to turn back to the earth and live more in a more symbiotic way with the earth and all of its yeah parts and creatures and that's happening and i feel like it's happening exponentially faster and faster just yeah like it seems like everyone is really waking up to i mean some people have already been there i feel like you've definitely been there way before me on this but like waking up to consumerism and being like i actually don't need anything yeah right now like i'm just gonna grow food we do need that and we have clean water but we need that and like yeah, just like it, the capitalism, consumerism is yeah, the, the old guard is definitely dying. And, and and unfortunately, one of the telltale signs of that is the rise in right wing, you know, fascism. Yeah, that's like the death rattle of the totally. old guard. It, it, it absolutely. So, you know. Uh, I think this generation is amazing. This new, these new generations are amazing. They're able to. They are, yeah. And I think for those of us who are paving a way to help them, and those and those within their own ranks who are paving a way to to uh, create a better world for them, I think uh, I think a better world is coming. Better. I'm glad that you think that, and I hope that it's just going to be a, a lot of horror until then <laughs> it's a lot of horror and a lot of fucking it's gonna it, you know but it always takes a fight man i mean think about this dude people in the middle medieval ages like literally lit slaughtered each other and not even with like bombs and shit like with with swords. Okay. no yeah you don't need to get too detailed we get it yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, for just for 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 stupid things like uh, how you're supposed to bury a body. And now look at us now. I mean, there are still the remnants of that of people who are out to be well. You have to have a Christian burial or whatever. But for the most part. For the most part. And that's more of a traditional thing, I think, more than it is an actual... Like, I don't think anybody's going to fucking fight you in the street over, like, having an autopsy. That, nobody would. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
But that was totally a thing that people went to war for. You know, just these old, and there will come a time, man, where, where, where people look at us and they say, wow, they were barbarians. <laughs> you know, have you ever, well, that is the most, this is the craziest, it's the craziest shit that we had a television show called Cops, where we fucking, yeah, that's just insane. And now they're looking at that like, God, dude, these motherfuckers were like Stone Age, bat brain motherfuckers. Still funny to watch, but it's it's horrible. Well, I think that's enough for this episode. <laughs> so, anybody out there who's interested in growing your own food, right now is the time of year where you should pick the spot you feel like you want to grow food. Cover that spot with several layers of cardboard and cover that with grass clippings or leaves or hay and just let it die all winter. And then that's going to be your spot for your garden next year. Mm -hmm. What else? I like, to get a, I like to get a bunch of leaves and then uh, if you can get some tarps and lay on top of that, you have a nice, nice spot. Nice, good spot. Do you do that right over grass? Mm -hmm. Okay, so what do you do? You lay down all the leaves and then put the tarp on top of that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep, you put cardboard. You can put leaves and then cardboard on top of it, but you really don't need the cardboard. Just the tarp and the, and the leaves. But the cardboard also is, is great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're laying down a some drainage rocks and stuff around our beds and uh, putting in a couple more beds. And we got a lot of work to do this winter too. So it's going to be a good time. Love having work to do. Love having stuff to do. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Maybe next episode, I'll tell you about the death rattle. Yeah, it'd be great. We'll see how we're doing. All right. We're on Instagram, life underscore death underscore dirt. That's the only place we are because Twitter sucks. And I, that's all I know how to do. Bye. Oh, yeah. <laughs>